Thinking differently to deliver warfighting capability the fleet needs to win at a cost we can afford, the Knock AD Lakehurst email software team responded to a fleet request, delivering an organic capability fast. And on today's podcast, we're going to dive into their approach and the behaviors and relationships that enabled their success. I'm your host, Michael Lauren Prue, and joining me today is Brian Ballett, Emol's AAG Software Support Activity Lead, Michael Fountain, Emol's Principal Software Engineer, Robert Norton, Emol's Automated Test Developer, and Kipsy Kevada, Emol's Front End Developer. Welcome to the show, everyone. So let's begin today with a bit of background. Michael, tell me a bit about your team. Hi, thank you so much for having us today. It's very exciting to be here and bring in our, our whole team. This is uh, the EMALS, or the Electromagnetic Aircraft Launch System, a team that's developed the new software for the Catapult Status Dashboard, or CSD. So give a little background on, on what EMALS is. It's a new catapulting system that goes on the Ford-class aircraft carriers. This is replacing the legacy steam catapults. EMALS provides larger launch envelope, additional capability for these new carriers in the 21st century. And the CSD project that this team has been working on, this provides some new additional insight into the, the system, the equipment that's being that the operators are using. So it allows them to get some better insights into flight operations and accelerate maintenance and troubleshooting. Perfect. So you recently implemented Agile on the email's catapult status dashboard capability. What is Agile and why is it so important? So Agile's really a set of program management principles and values that were derived by a group of really software developers back 20-something years ago now. It's a different way of looking at putting a software product out That's because software is just inherently very different than hardware development. Software is a much more iterative process. There's a lot of prototyping. There's a lot of refactoring. There's a lot of changes along the way. So this group put together the set of principles and values that focuses on the real crux of what software engineering needs. So since that day, a number of different methodologies have come about of different ways of implementing Agile, different ways of doing things incrementally and iteratively. And it's pretty much become industry standard within the software industry at this point, because it really is a much better way of developing software and providing a better resulting product at the end. So we really latched onto that with this project. So it was really our opportunity to see if we could implement Agile on this program and if we could do it effectively and come up with a product that the fleet was really interested in using. This was our first foray into Agile. It was actually one of our first forays into organic development. And I think we definitely knocked it out of the park. We were able to field this product within 15 months. Team worked fantastically together. Teamwork, the culture on the team really embraced the possibility of changing things and doing things differently and really pushing the needle forward within our software development team. What enabled the team to move fast and get this capability to the fleet, Michael? So there's, I think, two key elements to this, people and process. So definitely the people first. This is a, a very highly motivated team. I'm always impressed with their attitudes at their work and the, and the technical things that they deliver. So for this, there was an urgent need from the fleet to get something to, to help them operate this system, Im- improve their sortie rates, and, and really a, a variety of metrics that they track. And so the, the team was very motivated to deliver on that goal for the warfighter. Process also is equally important here. There are a lot of things that that we often hear, things are always done this way, this is the way we've always done it. And I think uh, the team really did a great job at questioning that, pushing that back where appropriate to see what's another way, how can we meet the same intent, the same need, but perhaps do it a different way that's faster. 
So really keeping that speed to the fleet mantra in mind. And because it was such a motivated team, it was really never never encountered the same sort of setbacks and, and overcame a lot of obstacles there and really had some brilliant ingenuity there to, to overcome and, and find some different ways to getting things done, getting things tested, make sure that we put in the technical rigor that we needed to, and uh, ultimately getting this to the fleet in, in that 15-month period. Brian, earlier you, you mentioned it's an organic capability. What are the benefits of an organic capability? So Emails was developed as a typical contractor acquisition, ACAT1 acquisition as part of the new Ford class of carriers. And our contractor, General Atomics, has been doing all the development up until now. So this was really our first opportunity to organically develop a piece of this system. We have a history of doing a lot of organic development. Many of the aircraft launch and recovery equipment and systems on board are all organically developed at Lakehurst by our engineers, our hardware engineers, our software engineers. So we have a lot of the processes in place, a lot of the procedures, a lot of the know-how of how to do the development within our organic government employees. So we thought this would be a really good opportunity to try and perform organically a piece of that development. So some of the benefits that we were able to see from this were time and cost related. So we successfully proposed and received funding for this, and we were able to start executing the day the funding came in. So speed was definitely the biggest advantage of the organic capability. Along with that is cost. Our engineers are able to develop, peer review each other. We're not going back and forth with the contractor, delaying things, adding more and more costs to it. And then also the ability to change requirements on the fly. We said with software, there's constantly changes that are going on. So if we're changing our requirement, even if it's something simple like changing a color from green to blue, if we're going on contract for that, that's a contract mod. That's additional cost. That's out of scope. Within the government team, we're able to do that and just absorb it into our daily business. The other very important piece of this team and this effort and what we're starting to implement across the board on our program is our organic ability to perform automated testing. So we've developed our own framework called CFAST, which I'll let Rob go into, that allows us to do all of our testing automated and organically. So again, saving a huge amount of time and huge amount of cost. Yeah, so CFAST is capability-driven automated software testing. It's simply a framework that uses different COTS software tools that are available out there and puts out basically guidelines of how to implement automated testing specifically for systems too that have already had testing procedures defined. So if you have an existing system where there's individuals, humans testing it manually, we're able to take that testing and automate it. And so this enables artifact generation, whether it be images or just pass fail criteria, and we can run these tests nightly. So this enables that agile framework to be able to do two-week sprints, and we are able to test much faster, enabling confidence in the developers. So they're willing to, hey, we can change the code and be able to test it with confidence and not be afraid that we, now we have to find funding to go test again, and it's going to take another three weeks, and we don't have the money for that. So that kind of alleviates that stress on program management and just the program as a whole. And I can imagine, in addition to all the things that you've already mentioned that enabled you to move fast, relationships were also a big part of this. Kipsy, how did you establish and maintain good relationships with the fleet customers, with teammates? And how did those relationships help you to deliver the capability or the outcomes that really matter? 
Sure. I think the answer here is agile, agile, agile. (laughs) Agile enables us to be people focused over being process focused or being documentation focused. And so to answer your questions on the fleet end, our team has just had a lot of experience working and living in the life of a sailor. A lot of us have gone down to the ship, worked with the sailors, operated on the system with the fleet. And so we've already had those good relationships with them even prior to developing CSD. But now we do have those relationships with them. They are more than willing to come in and join us in our meetings. One of those big meetings being our demonstration and review that happens every two weeks at the end of our two-week development. We call that a sprint, by the way. Um, So at this demo, we will essentially demonstrate our completed code that we worked on over the past two weeks. And there, right then and there, the fleet is able to give us immediate feedback, provide their comments if there's anything they want to or something that would be more intuitive for them, then we're able as developers to make that those changes in real time. And then by the next sprint, we already have those completed. We also are able to send them emails and show them prototypes along the way so they can, again, provide their feedback if we want to get their feedback sooner than within like the two-week time box. And then sometimes the fleet will even come into our lab, take a look at what we've been working on, play around with it in real time, and then again, provide that immediate feedback. So that was the fleet side. And then on the teammate side, we do have a variety of meetings that we're able to just have time to discuss and be transparent with one another. One of those meetings being the retrospective. So this also happens at the end of our two-week sprints. And at these retrospectives, we discuss, how did the sprint go? Did anything come up along the way? Was there something challenging? What are the good things that happened, the not so good things? And what are the things we can improve on? And so this gives us the opportunity to talk with each other, to, to be honest with each other, and to talk about the ways that we can improve as a team. And through these retrospectives, perspectives and through the chemistry we have as a team, we saw growth in trust with each other. We saw growth in empowerment and being able to own the work that we're doing as individuals and can definitely speak to the success in that. Perfect. So going back to that fleet feedback, why is that so important and how does that really help you to tailor a capability to what they need? This is a good question. So I feel like we as engineers, we often forget the why. We forget what we're doing and why we do it. And so by inviting the fleet into the work that we're doing, we come to a recognition of this is what we're doing it for. These are the people we are working on it for. It's just like the the quote that everyone always says, the customer is always right. We don't know uh, what they need, but they do. And so by inviting them into that process and asking them, hey, I guess speaking from like a front end perspective, since that's what I work on, hey, take a look at this button that we just added on the interface. What are the things you like about where are the things you don't like about it? How would this be more intuitive for you? And so then the customer, the fleet can immediately say, we're not used to seeing this shape. Maybe this shape will be more intuitive for us. And we're able to iterate on that and change that accordingly, again, based off of who, what the user prefers. I also saw that as we had, we had rather continuous input from the fleet. And I thought that was especially important as opposed to just having it up front uh, when you're doing initial planning. And the reason for that is because there's a lot of times that when you're developing something brand new, and this applies to any industry, when you're developing a new product, a lot of times the customers may not know exactly what they want. And a lot of times that's because they don't know exactly what's possible. And so what we found as we were developing things is we could build towards what we had heard from them in the last time we spoke, 
And then that might open up some new ideas for them, or they may realize, oh, I didn't realize you could get that information or you could display it this way. Now that I know that, here's something else that I might like, or they, it might set off an idea for something that's a much higher priority for them. So since we had rather regular feedback from them, it allowed for that type of, those type of items to be built into the product. And as, as Brian had mentioned earlier with this agile process being organic, we were able to quickly adapt and be able to build those things into the product really without adding additional cost and things. We, we still kept our time frame within what we had planned out for and were able to achieve all of our goals there. It just meant that we were able to build the product for the fleet and with, with their needs in mind. So something else that helped us to tailor the capability to meet fleet needs is user experience. This is also known as UX. So focusing on improving the experience that the user has while operating the system, operating a product. So something that we have seen firsthand is that the user oftentimes are in a stressful environment. It's it's difficult to keep up with everything that is happening within the operator room. And so what we wanted to do was to ensure that through this read-only interface that we would be able to reduce that stress, make everything intuitive, easy to understand, so that the user knows immediately what is going on with the system to reduce that stress and to improve the capability of the warfighter and of operating the system. Kipsy, I absolutely love that you mentioned we need to focus on our why, and that is our warfighter. So what does it mean to focus on outcomes that matter to the warfighter, and what does that really look like on a daily basis? Michael? So what does that mean? It means we're really addressing the real problems of the warfighter. What are the things that are perhaps getting in the way of their operations or slowing them down? Going back to the get real, get better, as applies to our products. How capable are our products and what are the roadblocks that maybe are getting in the way of being more capable? So what that looks like for us, we, we talked here about, about having the the fleet tile in and, and attend our meetings, give us insight into what they're looking for in the product. Most of the team has spent a considerable amount of time on the ship, whether that was during construction or out at sea. So this meant that we had a lot of firsthand experience seeing how the users were using the system. And we also had relationships with the, the fleet where they could relay to us what pain points they experienced. And so by focusing on those, what's really getting in the way of them doing their job, that was our primary focus here and removing those obstacles, providing them additional information, additional features within our dashboard project that removed a lot of those, it meant that we saw considerable improvements in quite a few metrics. Another way this ties in is to training or the, the ease of use of this system. So again, we, we had a big focus on the user experience or the UX. And what that really meant was when it came time to feel this product, I went out to sea with, with the sailors and installed this. and Within minutes of it being installed, the, the fleet was on their own operating it. I ended up just kind of sitting next to them, was there in case questions came up, and questions really didn't come up. They were very excited. There were times where, when the operator was telling me, oh, I just look at this now and it makes my life easier for, for this reason, this reason. They were able to rattle off a whole bunch of things, and they, they gave us a lot of good feedback of other features they'd like to see in the future. Really brought us back to what does it mean to focus on the warfighter and focus on what their immediate needs are to, to have a more capable warship. All right, so talk to me about the CSD team's culture. What's unique about it? Yeah, so one of the things that stood out for me personally coming to this team, we were very united as a team and had a very, like we have discussed, a very customer-centric and capability-focused 
how we how do we deliver capability even if it's small bits of capability fast and our team was able to be quite small so individuals on our team were were plucked from from larger teams to kind of focus on this project i think it in, it enabled people from like cyber software systems to be working more intimately and less individual members were less focused on oh this is my product or my deliverable that i have to focus on our group as a whole was saying no these are our products this is what we're working on as a team and there was a, a new level of kind of like unity there even if there is something that's bothering us or hindering us we, we call them roadblocks that come up we work as a team to overcome them i think the culture and singular focus of the team really led to success we were allowed to kind of be sheltered and on our own to really pursue this agile development yeah just to add to rob's point i think every single member of the team was extremely enthusiastic about the work we were doing but also the discipline in which we were working so I guess speaking from a personal standpoint, I had never done front-end development before, but I for many years have wanted to do it. And so with the desire of like, let's learn this thing, let's do something new came forth this dashboard. And I felt like I was given the freedom to experiment, the freedom to fail and to mess up and try again and do new things. And through that, we as a team were able to develop a product that Fleet loves. That's a great point. There's something I'd like to add to that, which I think as a whole, the team really had a great passion for focusing on what is the, the intent of this project and how to make it the best thing that it can be. And so a lot of times to get there, that means you might have an idea that turns out is not the best idea. And maybe, maybe it's something we fail at, or maybe it's something that a team member has a better idea. And what I found was really incredible that, that applied to everyone on the team was that there was Everybody really put egos aside and there was no bickering about, you know, potentially option A, option B. There was a lot of embracing, oh, that's the best idea. That's the one we're going to do. And let's all work together to make that best idea happen. And that really was a, a team effort that really led to a, a positive atmosphere for everything. And it, it actually led to a lot more ideas being shared as there really were no bad ideas that could come to the drawing board there. And so it really was a, a great team environment there. And it sounds like having that inclusive culture really empowered the team. What behaviors would you say contributed to your success? I think the key behavior that comes to mind is really listening. So I recognize this all the time with our team that I think the teammates here are, are excellent at listening to each other and help build on each other's ideas. And I think that really goes a long way for creating more opportunities for more ideas to be shared. And then I think one thing that when, when Kipsy and I were working on various parts of the, the front-end design, how certain things were going to work, what different widgets were going to do, a lot of times one of us would have an idea and then the next one would, would take that to another level where, where it becomes better and then the next one we kind of would bounce back and forth. And I think that was a great example of how each team member kind of brings their own brilliance to the project, but it's really when we're all together that you get even new ideas that no one person would come up with. And a lot of that came from just truly listening, giving each other a platform to share ideas. One of the things that I saw from this team is just the passion that they have towards this project and the real ownership that they have of it. They've really embraced one of the critical components of Agile in that they have been very self-organizing. Mike and Kipsey have been describing. They've taken on any problem and they've figured it out as a team. They've been very adaptive to any 
sort of suggestions or feedback that they've gotten from program management or leadership? Because we are working on in a very different manner than most of the program is used to, both being organic and being agile. So there's a lot of that, oh, well, that's not the way we do things around here. And the team has been very helpful and very constructive in finding ways to adapt both processes to move forward in an agile manner while still kind of meeting the needs and the requests of management and leadership to address the technical rigor and the schedules and everything else that goes into the, our normal process. How did the team think differently to deliver quickly? Robert? So part of our two-week sprints, when we have our review of the product that we have developed in that time span, we do what's called a retrospective. So this is going over how the team performed, what we did well, what we didn't do well, and kind of lessons learned. And it's an opportunity for everyone to kind of identify either where we've had failures as a team or highlight individuals or new procedures or new practices that we picked up in that sprint and can kind of put them on display. And we do it visually. So our Scrum Master has a very pretty retrospective board with pictures and gets the team motivated and allows everyone to kind of give their feedback. And it helps us to kind of put it on paper and realize where our strengths are and where our weaknesses are. And then at the end of that sprint, we come up with what's called a Kaizen. And that Kaizen is our goal for the next sprint of how we're going to improve, whether that's just uh, improving our culture or changing practices that we were doing in the past. And it's, it might even be improving relationships internally or externally with our group. So uh, through that Kaizen, we're kind of forced to come together as a team and reflect on what are we going to do differently? What are we going to change? And that can come from the side of like our process. That could come from the side of our relationship as a team or with our stakeholders. And we are expected to create this Kaizen and then bring that into the next sprint as a task that we need to work on together. So what did you learn? This was really our first attempt at Agile, and we learned that we don't know everything. So we were constantly changing the way we did things. After our first year of development, we went back and we sat down as a full team and did a real retrospective of the year rather than just of a sprint and identified the things that went well and the things that didn't go well, what we were doing and what could be improved upon. Make our team better moving forward, which is, I think, really one of the great aspects of Agile is it's not just a means of iteratively developing software, but it's also a means of iteratively developing our process and our team and how we produce a product to make it a better product in the end for the fleet. One of the things that I think became very evident to me as we were wrapping up our first year of development on this project was how some of the, even the most technical problems, the things that we, uh, we often think of require like maybe the most alone time to focus on a problem really were the, the answers really come from the human relationships and having much more of a collaborative space to come up with those answers. So that was something that we, we definitely saw in our product here and, and as we developed our process, uh, improvements to that. And I think that is uh, some, some part of that, I think, immediately makes a lot of sense. And I think some of that is definitely worth letting sink in a little bit of how sometimes our, our gut reaction for how do we get this technical solution 
fast. We need to really get the right people on that. But it is definitely about the right people who can communicate and, and work collaboratively. So as we definitely saw here on, on this group here, and I, I think that's something that's a great kind of lesson going forward for any other task force for solving other Navy problems. So I love that. So how have you taken what you've learned and shared that learning? So earlier this year, Kipsy and I presented this project to the, the dashboard and also our agile process at the, uh, the Naval UX conference in San Diego. That was a, a large conference put on by NYWIC out there. And we were able to talk about our focus on user experience or UX and our agile process, what it was like working with the fleet and learn a lot from other groups and agencies that were doing different projects, but maybe a similar thing or a different approaches to that. So we, we got a lot out of that conference and we were able to share that with a large audience there. EMALS has a sister program, uh, which is the Advanced Arresting Gear or AAG. And so we have shared a lot what we've learned with them. And actually this year, they just kicked off their own first organic software effort. So we've shared what we've learned with them as far as our process and how we're working together and how we ultimately got our product fielded. And we've already been learning from them. So we talk all the time. There's a, there's a couple of us that have weekly meetings between these two projects. And these are two ACAT1 programs. So a few of us within the software group have weekly meeting where we share just generally what's going on in those programs on these specific efforts. So we can share and, and collaborate a, a lot of ideas there. The automated test platform that also came out of this CSD effort, that we've been exploring how that can help other programs. It is already in, in use on AG and we've reached out to some other programs within the PMA 251 portfolio that it's looking promising that there'll be a good fit for that in the future there as well. So that's a, it's a few ACAT1 programs that we're able to collaborate across, which is always an exciting opportunity for the Navy. It seemed like only a few years ago that Agile was a dirty word at Lakehurst, but that has definitely changed drastically. There's a number of programs. Kipsy had mentioned that there's a focus group, but other programs are also looking at starting to do Agile development. So we've been working directly with our department chief engineer and our department software lead to figure out how we can start implementing and modifying our existing processes to be more Agile and still addressing technical rigor of the setter process, but in a more Agile fashion. We've also been working directly with some of those other programs to sit down with their software teams and kind of guide them through the process that we've gone through. I've also been working with the Design and Agile Thinkers group out of Pax River to provide some Agile training to some of our highest levels of leadership up at Lakehurst. So it's really an immersive one or two day class where we introduce them to all the different concepts of Agile and kind of show them the way that we can do things faster and better and kind of adapt our current processes. So they've been going all over the country, teaching commands and PMAs all over the place. So we've been bringing up a couple of those classes up to Lakehurst already and have a couple more scheduled as well. As we wrap today's podcast, what advice would you give to teams facing similar challenges or opportunities? So I would say to get started. As engineers, we always like to have a perfect solution before we go in paralysis by analysis. But yeah, with, with this group, we had never done Agile development before, and we did not do everything perfectly the first time around, but we were able to adapt and become better, and we still feel like we're getting better. So until you're, you actually get into it, you can go to as many trainings as you want, you can read as many books as you want, but you really need to start executing before you can understand how to get better and how to do it properly for your program. So I'd say uh, as kind of general advice uh, to kind of 
question anything that's been done because that's the way we've always done it. That was something that I think the team really did a great job keeping in mind. And so there were a lot of things uh, process-related that we saw that we can still meet the needs. And a lot of times it's focusing on what are the needs of what maybe a legacy process is. Can we address that a different way so we can still make sure we're doing the things we're supposed to do, but just in a different way, whether that's reducing the technical reviews or adjusting them, something that we're still making sure we're reviewing the thing that needs to get reviewed, but do it in maybe a less daunting or overwhelming way, or a less time-consuming way. There were a lot of opportunities that we found along the way there that really contributed enormously to the, the speed to fleet. I think when we were wrapping up development for this product, we were originally hearing that now that development's done, it was, we think it was going to take about 28 months to field from then. And we ultimately had that trimmed down to three. So that really came from a lot of creative thinking from different people on the team. And a lot of that really came back to the, why are we doing this? Can we do it a different way? So I think that's a great, great questions to keep in mind. Well, I want to thank you all for joining us today to share how your team is thinking differently, changing the game to deliver outcomes that matter to the warfighter. I loved your focus on people and processes and how your team is building relationships with fleet and empowering employees to do the work. Of course, you can check out more episodes by subscribing to the Airwaves podcast on all your favorite listening apps. And that's it for this edition of Airwaves. Thanks for listening.